are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Are you ready for a little bit of power to the pot? I know I am. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, here on Locked On Dolphins, managing editor of USA Today's DolphinsWire.com, director of scouting at DraftNetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, And excited to get back into the saddle with Power to the Pod after we took last week off amid the swell of free agency rumors. Uh, But that just means the iTunes reviews, the Twitter questions, they're twice as nice. You guys have brought the heat for today's show. Power to the Pod is your weekly episode of Locked on Dolphins in which you tell me what we're talking about. All I do is I answer what is most pressing on your minds as the Miami Dolphins fan base. And we could talk about Lawrence Guy in for a visit. It's 1.15 in the morning on Tuesday morning. As I'm sitting here, he hasn't signed yet, but he was in for a, a visit, as reported by Field Yates of ESPN. Nothing official yet, but we'll save that for when... All of that becomes official because I want to get to as many of these questions as we possibly can. You guys have been awesome about getting questions in, and I want to reward you guys by giving you the floor today as much as physically possible. First iTunes review question comes from Johnson at AOL. Two-part question. You greedy son of a gun. I respect it. Pick one free agent signing so far across the entire NFL, that you wish the Dolphins would have worked out? John Johnson to Cleveland, maybe, question mark. And the second part, now that Atlanta has reworked Matt Ryan's contract, do you anticipate this hindering Miami's ability to trade down? Free agent signing that I wish Miami could have replicated or or been able to uh, secure. I look at some of the edge guys, some of the the free agent pass rushers who hit the market. I don't know if I could pick one per se, but I would have loved to see them address that outside pass rusher role in free agency to really give you optimal flexibility. If I was going to go with a middle tier one, I'd like to see Rashard Higgins, the wide receiver from Cleveland, sign and come down here to Miami. He's a nifty little player. I like him a lot. Uh, As far as Atlanta and their quote-unquote stability at quarterback, uh, I still think Atlanta will probably threaten to take a quarterback, if nothing else, uh, to try and drive their own trade value up. But the thing that the Dolphins really have going for them is they are protected to a certain degree because one of the teams that we anticipate being the most hungry to come up would be the Carolina Panthers, who are division rivals with the Atlanta Falcons. So I would imagine that business would be a little bit more complicated, and Carolina can skip all that nonsense altogether and just come straight to Miami and work out a deal. Tua Magic, five-star review. Thank you for the five-star review. My question is, how do you stack Miami's current team needs after the initial wave of free agency? I'll put pass catchers at one. There's a big push right now on social media and the Dolphins fan base for Kyle Pitts. You can't go wrong 
with some of these top pass catchers. Would I ideally like to get out of three and maximize the value? Yes. But pass catchers, I think, is still number one. I'm not as willing and, and as receptive to, it seems, the Dolphins are to banking on Albert Wilson and potentially Alan Hearns, those guys coming back from COVID opt-outs. I'm not interested, personally. I, I want new blood in that wide receiver room. I want to remake it as much as we possibly can. Running back, interior offensive line. I think you need two long-term starters on the interior offensive line between center and left guard. Unfortunately, Eric Flowers is a contract that's going to be complicated for the Dolphins to move, so they're probably going to have him next year. It is what it is. Is it ideal? No. But we'll make it work. And then I would put outside pass rusher uh, right up there with interior offensive line. Uh, I know from a positional need standpoint, uh, pass rusher is more important than running back, but the volume that the Dolphins offense is going to run through a running back I think does make it a position that Miami will probably covet a little bit more highly this year than what they did last year when they were a little more passive uh, addressing that position. So I don't think we'll get to 50 and the Dolphins haven't picked a a running back. Next question comes from confused but excited. Hi, Kyle. Really enjoy the podcast and your gift meme game on Twitter is strong. Thank you. A lot of hard work, blood, sweat, and tears went into the meme game. With the way our offensive line couldn't handle stunts in the Denver game and the Raiders game, was that more on the coaching, the quarterback, or would an upgraded center now that Ted Karras is signed with the Patriots help fix communication issues like that? Oh, that's that's a great question, and I wish I had the kind of clarity to be able to give you a firm answer. I would say to some degree there is blame to be laid at the feet of all the parties that you mentioned. Um, the, from a, the quarterback, from a recognition standpoint, and to a, in those two games sp- especially, was not executing the reads and getting the ball out and being consistent with finding opportunities to get the ball out of his hands. Early reads in the progression available to him, and he, he just opted not to take them for whatever reason. Uh, as far as the coaching, they'll tell you, you know, get a, get an early win on first down. Maybe we should go more no huddle or more tempo and, and slow down the pass rush that way a little bit and, and force them to play a little bit more vanilla. And then from the offensive line perspective, whether it's center or the rest of the line, I think the Dolphins' youth there and, and lack of chemistry and remember that, you know, they're at a point in that time of the year in which they're starting to shuffle guys around. Robert Hunt's in, and Jesse Davis is moving all over the place. So it gets a little messy. Uh, I think a little bit more continuity and a little bit more experience along the entirety of the line, not just at center, uh, would certainly help. R.D. Jess. If that's not how your username's supposed to be pronounced, I apologize. We hear a lot about people wanting to draft Devontae Smith or Najee Harris because of their chemistry with Tua. Does that even factor into the equation for a coach or a GM in drafting a player? Leading off of that question, do coaches and GMs ever take player input regarding a potential pick? You have to be really well entrenched as a player. You have to be really well respected. You have to be the cornerstone of the franchise. 
in order to uh, have that kind of clout. But yeah, there are instances uh, of players giving input on, we think we need this, maybe not necessarily specific players, uh, but kind of the direction and uh, approach of a team in an offseason for what the points of emphasis are going to be. Are the Dolphins at that point with Tua Tonga-Vailoa? No, but I think the Dolphins would be wise to acknowledge what Tua Tonga-Vailoa's strengths were as a passer and try to tailor the roster to that without soliciting the input from Tonga-Vailoa of what he would like to see. Because uh, Tua doesn't know yet, right? He's so, still so green and inexperienced, only nine starts at the NFL level. Uh, you could ask him, but... But the context he's going to be able to provide you versus what if you asked him the same question two years from now, uh, I guarantee he would give you a dramatically different and more nuanced answer to two years from now than what he could give you now. So I think there's an experience factor there that prevents the Dolphins from saying, hey, Tua, which one of these guys do you want us to bring in and, and be a part of the club? Alex BW23. Chase to the Dolphins is a bad fit. Kyle, great show. If Jamar Chase ends up only being 5'11 or shorter and runs in the four fives, how would that affect his draft stock? This is tough. And, and this question was asked a little bit ago. This was not asked in lieu of the Devontae Smith Pro Day in which he only elected to weigh in. And Big surprise, he didn't do any field tests. He only chose to weigh in, and he managed to scratch and claw his way up to 170 pounds. You knew it was coming. The moment he sat out the way in at the Senior Bowl, he was going to stack as much weight as he could on just to get a respectable number on the scale but not be in shape to work out. So he's going to say, no, I'm not running routes. I'm not doing testing. I'm just going to stand on my fill. You play the game a little bit. I respect it. But, of course, when you have to scratch and claw your way to get to 170, it raises some eyebrows. Uh, as far as Jamar Chase, I don't think he's going to run in the 4-5s. I really don't. And if he didn't break 4-5, um, I would still say that he's one of those players where the tape is going to get the trump card because even his style of play and how successful he is attacking the ball in the air, uh, those are not... He is much more successful at those traits than what you would indicate based on his stature. So I think he has the kind of the tape trump card that teams will still gravitate towards. Uh, but it's, it's, I think, more so the push right now from Kyle Pitts is the threat to Jamar Chase being the number one pass catcher off the board or not. And Pitts is red hot. And as a result, you're seeing Dolphins fans really embrace the idea of Kyle Pitts. I'm starting to embrace the idea of Kyle Pitts. I know all season long last season, we had hashtag more 12 personnel. Uh, more 12 personnel was more indicative of uh, getting a guy who's a traditional hand-in-the-dirt kind of guy. Kyle Pitts and Mike Gusecki would both be more primary flex guys, but the, the kinds of exotic things that you could do with that group. And, and maybe that's the case for not completely overhauling the entirety of the wide receiver room. Because if you, if you do take Kyle Pitts, you got Kyle Pitts and Mike Gusecki, and those will be two of your top 
three or four targets, depending on how healthy both Devontae Parker and Will Fuller will be throughout the course of the 2021 season. But imagine if you go 13 personnel. Just humor me for a second. 13 personnel is one running back, three tight ends on the field. These were the kind of sets that the Baltimore Ravens tapped into and gave teams fits. And then they choose to, chose to trade Hayden Hurst. Uh, they upgraded uh, Patrick Ricard, a former defensive lineman, to play fullback slash tight end as the tight end three. And they really lost a dynamic appeal there. So if you go 13 personnel, you've got a back on the field. We're presuming it's going to be Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams. Miles Gaskin is the backup. Tua Tagovailoa, quarterback. You get your starting five offensive linemen. You'll have three tight ends on the field, and Kyle Pitts, Mike Gesicki, and either Durham Smythe or Adam Shaheen is the hand in the dirt kind of guy. And that leaves you with just one wide receiver on the field, whether it's Will Fuller or Devontae Parker. But imagine what happens if you come out as a team and you come out in a condensed set, which means everybody is lined up close to the tackle box. And you got two guys with hands in the dirt at the tight end position. You got Shaheen or Smythe next to the offensive tackle. Pitts has his hand in the dirt because I do think he's more capable with his hand in the dirt than what Mike is. And then Mike is, is kind of stacked off the line of scrimmage and slightly in between the tight end and the offensive tackle. So you you have a tight, a closed bunch set, effectively, with all guys who are tight ends who are all six foot six, six foot five. Big dudes. Yeah, on the backside, you could put Will Fuller out there if you want to run vertical spacing stuff. You could put Devontae Parker out there if you want to run power game. And then you have your back and single back in the backfield. And then you can go no huddle and simultaneously go into some of these spread sets where you can go empty backfield, depending on what running back you choose to go out and get. I wouldn't go empty a ton with Javante Williams, but Najee Harris and Travis Etienne, you could go empty backfield with one tight end in a traditional inline position and empty everybody else out and space, and you would not have to take a single player off the field because Pitts can line up on the boundary. Mike Gusecki can line up isolated in a one-on-one. He can also simultaneously line up in the slot in a two-point stance. So you can stay in 13, and you can run effectively your entire offense out of 13 personnel with what the Dolphins could do if they draft Kyle Pitts. The more This, this is, the league is so tight end mismatch driven because the tight ends or the mismatch athletes that are going to dictate what personnel you're going to have on the field. And I guarantee you, any defensive coordinator, if you roll out three tight end sets, they're going to want to stay in base defense, and they're going to want to play close and crowded to the line of scrimmage. But when two of them are Mike Gusecki and Kyle Pitts, you've got some problems. You've got some coverage problems. You're going to have safeties in one-on-one giving up six, seven inches to these tight ends. And 50 pounds. Good luck sticking with those guys at the top of the route. So that's the appeal. And I'm starting to buy in a little bit. And I know that had nothing to do with your question. But 
Uh, I, I'm starting to really buy into the idea of uh, my heart is still with Jalen Waddle because as exciting as kind of the the power forward style offense would be, uh, I also think about the drag cars and, and the the Formula One speed package with Fuller and Waddle on the field simultaneously and you go out and you get Dwayne Eskridge on day two or something like that from Western Michigan and he runs 4-3 and it's like, okay, like we got some juice now. So there's a number of different ways the Dolphins can go. I'll be fascinated to see which way they choose to go. Uh, but I will say this, and this will be the last thing on this topic. The Dolphins uh, have gravitated towards big bodies. Football is a big people beat up on little people kind of game. I'll be fascinated to see if the Dolphins hold true to that with their assembly of an overhauled offensive skill group. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to get on all your sports betting action. Football season may be over, but college basketball and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality television with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can think of. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets. Plus, it's free to sign up. So head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. Twitter questions, time. 60 plus questions for power to the pod today. We'll get what we can. Brandon, would Dylan Moses fit the Dolphins as a role player? He seemed to plateau last year, but I feel like he could be good piece on our defense maybe at 81 so we did over at the draft network we did dylan moses for cross checks at the beginning of this week so we watched him over i watched him over the weekend i'm out i am totally out (laughs) uh so he did not play in 2019 because of an injury and then he did not play well in 2020 uh playing Arguably out of position at Mike Linebacker. His head was really swimming and and play processing, and the explosiveness was not back. So you've got a player whose best tape was two years ago, three years ago now, 2018. And he's a long-tenured starter for Alabama. And from an instinctual perspective, not to the, the standard you would expect from a tenured Alabama starting linebacker. Kind of reminds me of what happened with Mac Wilson there. Uh, Mac Wilson was young. He wasn't as long-tenured as what Dylan Moses is. But Mac Wilson was very highly regarded as a potential three-down coverage linebacker at Alabama. Made some good plays on the ball in coverage. And he ended up getting drafted in the fifth round. Like, I could see a similar path playing out for Dylan Moses because he has struggled the last two years to help his resume. Tone Toto is trying to get me triggered. If Miami drafts blank, I will be beyond mad. See or reference how you felt about the Charles Harris pick a few years ago. I cannot believe the year is 2021 and we are talking about Charles Harris on this podcast. Be ashamed of yourself, Tone. My goodness. <laughs> um, Man... If you stay put at three, you're going to have a hard time pissing me off. You really are. Um, 
I guess, like Rayshon Slater. I like the wide receiver groups. Devontae Smith, I would not love at three. I'd be peeved. But I would also understand it, and I think he is going to be a very good NFL wide receiver, even though he is wide receiver three for me, and I would also take Kyle Pitts above him. So he would be my fourth option for pass catchers for Miami. But I wouldn't be like Charles Harris pissed. That was a special kind of pissed. And what made me most pissed was I was talking with my co-host of the Draft Dudes on our way in the elevator to go do the show that night on, in 2017. We did a live stream for draft coverage. And he asked me in the elevator, all right, who's your guy? Who's the guy that ruins your night? This is Charles Harris. Who'd they pick? Charles Harris. Kevin was concerned last year because we didn't have anyone who could win one-on-one pass rush for us with regularity. With the edge market basically dry, would Geno Atkins or Jarrell Casey make any sense as interior rushers to pair with Wilkins? Um, I don't know. I kind of st- First of all, I, I like Adam Butler. Uh, I think Adam Butler, who they did sign in free agency, can be an interior push guy. Uh, but interior penetrators and pass rushers is really not a staple of Belichickian defenses. It's just not. And um, they are ultimately going to call upon pressure packages, simulated pressures, overloads, cover zero blitzes, and manufacturing pressure is a lot of the time going to be the book on how this defense is going to run. And and generally speaking, it's going to work. Now, when you play some of the more special quarterbacks across the league, that's when you get in trouble a little bit. you got to really turn up the the turnovers. you got to make sure you're playing airtight on the back end uh, because if you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. Um, So I think that that is a hurdle for Miami to get over the top for to be a championship contender down the road. Uh, but I don't think it's necessarily something that they're going to sell out and go all out for this offseason. Danny, what would make you more mad? Not getting a 2022 first-round pick. You guys are, yeah, pushing buttons tonight. All right, I dig it. That's cool. Not getting a 2022 first-rounder in a trade back or staying at three and drafting Devontae Smith. Man, I, I really want the extra picks. That is so much of the appeal for me uh, is the opportunity at three in a quarterback-rich market to move back, let somebody go get a quarterback, and still have your choice of multiple of the options is such a thrilling place to be. And it really seems like the momentum is Miami could probably trade back to seven or eight if Detroit's interested. We think Carolina's going to be really interested. And you could probably, probably pick between the two Alabama wide receivers still. This momentum says Chase for a lot of other teams that aren't drafting for pure separation and Pitts have the momentum. Brian Sarver, would this not be would this be enough for the wide receiver? It's a mock draft. He drafts Penny Sewell at three. Jalen Phillips at 18. Baron Browning at 36. My guy's been listening to the podcast. Except for Penny Sewell. Eh. 
Let's get out of that spot right there. Elijah Moore at 50, Amon Ross St. Brown at 81. I like both those players. Uh, I like both those players a lot. And and I do think you kind of have a honey hole on day two where you're going to have a lot of really good wide receivers that the Dolphins could make great use of. So if they are going to go Kyle Pitts early on, and you do go 12 and 13 personnel at very high rate and clip, you can go this route and go get a Daz Newsom or an Elijah Moore or an Amon Ross St. Brown. Or the list goes on and on and on for the guys that Dwayne Eskridge. Rondale Moore, I would still classify in this group as well. Amari Rogers, Kadarius Toney, Tylen Wallace. Like these are all day two wide receivers that I think in the right situation can make a big splash and be big contributors. And that's a great place to be for the Dolphins. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the last 20 years. So whether you're shopping for your classic or daily driver and you're looking for engine control modules, brake parts, taillights, motor oil, or even new carpet, RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog. And in just a few clicks, you can get everything you need to deliver directly to your front door. Best of all, prices are the same at RockAuto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit rockauto.com for all your auto parts needs. Right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. We have been pounding the table for the top of the big board protein bar, built bar. Best tasting protein bar on the market for quite some time. An amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein High Fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on each and every one of their bars. And it's March. It's time to find out which Built Bar is the best. Courtesy of Built Bar Madness, a tournament pitting all of the best flavors of Built Bar against one another to crown one delicious champion. You want to follow along, go to BuiltBar.com or Bar underscore Built on Twitter. And remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who wins each and every matchup and who will be crowned the best-tasting protein bar of the world's best-tasting protein bar. All right, we got a little offensive line action here, courtesy of Adam. Adam, what's up? Thanks for dialing in. Madeline's daddy was the Twitter handle. Well, we don't spell it the same, but my little girl's also named Madeline. She's uh, just getting ready to turn four months here in a couple weeks. There's been a lot of talk about acquiring a center and tackle, which would mean Hunt slides to guard. What about drafting a guard instead of a tackle? Maybe Davis, Wyatt Davis from Ohio State in the early second round, so there's no angst about passing on Penny Sewell. I'm personally quite fine with leaving Robert Hunt at offensive tackle. I thought he did an awesome job in the run game. Moving bodies, resetting the line of scrimmage. The Dolphins found a little life with Robert Hunt in there because he beat the tar out of you. So I'm totally good with, with you know, it, any offensive tackle investment I think is pushing Austin Jackson potentially. And I would absolutely want a guard because my, my domino effect for drafting a guard is moving Solomon Kinley to left guard, getting Eric Flowers out of the lineup. That that would be my perfect world, and in a perfect, perfect world, you find a trade partner that sends like 123 with Eric Flowers, and you get back like a sixth-round pick. 
and just get that $8 million off the books. Because at this point in time, $8 million is going to be two quality stars with what the free agent market looks like with the reduced cap. Haitian Dolphin. Don't believe in getting a tackle at three. Would you consider Alex Leatherwood, who is a versatile tackle, versatile tackle and guard, as an option for the draft? Yes, but the value has to be right here. Uh, and I do not think Alex is going to play tackle in the NFL and have success, personally. Uh, I thought his tape at right guard was more impressive. Uh, his run reps at left tackle were good, uh, but his pass protection is body. You watch the Georgia game and Zizo Jalari got after him a little bit. So, yes, obviously a guy who plays in the Alabama offense is going to stylistically be a fit for what the Dolphins want. Uh, but I don't know that I'm taking Alex Leatherwood in the top 50, personally. He'd have to be a guy that either slides to 81 or you feel the price is right after 50 for me to feel really good about it. I could justify it if you drafted him at 50. But for me personally, just the, the valuation of the player, and I do think he's going to have to be an inside-only player, uh, I'd ideally like that player in round three or later. Kyle Smith, you've been made the general manager for life. Terrific. However, you've been given one rule for team building. You must choose to build one side of the ball only in the draft and the other only in free agency. Which are you choosing for which? Jeez, well, I can tell you this. I do not want to be paying quarterbacks on the open market and free agency, so I'll build my offense through the draft, and I'll build my defense through free agency which is ironically kind of what we're seeing the Dolphins do, to be completely honest. I know obviously we came out and we got Will Fuller, uh, which changed that narrative a little bit, but even the Dolphins, you look at the volume that they're signing, guys, they're going defense and free agency again this year. Connors, I would hate to trade back beyond the Panthers at 8. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, beyond 8 gets a little slippery. Uh, you've got Denver at 9, uh, but Benjamin Albright, uh, who's – really in the know, um, especially with the Denver Broncos, seems to be pushing and indicating that Denver would be more likely to trade down than they would be to trade up. Uh, and it would cost a pretty penny to try and outgun Carolina in a bidding war. And then you have Dallas at 10, the Giants at 11. San Francisco at 12 is kind of the next obvious destination for quarterback or a trade-up candidate. There's a part of me that if you don't want to go the Kyle Pitts route, there's a part of me that would just, I'd like to just call Chicago. They'd be like, hey, Chicago, do you remember that offer you had put together for Russell Wilson? How interested are you in, in getting a quarterback? And, and I, there's a 0% chance this actually happens because this would be such a major tumble down the board for the Dolphins. But my whole appeal for moving out of three is to maximize the longevity and flexibility of the team and having long-term assets and a surplus of picks to work with. If Chicago's going to give you Russell Wilson package to get up in the top three because they're desperate to keep their jobs, which was, ironically, the same thing that got us the number three pick in the first place because Bill O'Brien grossly overpaid for Laramie Tunsil because he was desperate to keep his job, then, like, yeah, I think about three ones and a three and two starters. 
from Chicago. It would never happen. Um, but if you told me I can get Rashad Bateman at 18 at wide receiver, and then I'm picking at 20, and then I've also got two more years worth of like future ones, multiple ones to work with, plus extra day two picks and wiggle room, and I'm getting a starter defensively, even offensively. They don't, I know they don't have a ton on offense, but that'd be a fun kind of case study. Uh, but it would have to be such an embarrassing overpay uh, that, you know, I, I think for the, the logistics of the Dolphins getting the offensive weaponry that they want, and there is a drop-off from the big three wide receivers to Rashad Bateman. It's not huge, uh, but it is a drop-off. Yeah, I think eight's probably your safe space for where you would like to land and be able to achieve what they're looking for, which Brian Flores alluded to the idea of a top 10 player. couple more to bring us home here. The next one comes from Steven. Love the show, Kyle. My question, which scenario would you be happier with in the draft? Jamar Chase, Najee Harris, Jalen Phillips, and Baron Browning, or Kyle Pitts, Rashad Bateman, Javante Williams, and Creed Humphrey. My guy's been listening to the pod because he knows all my brand players, all the players that I would absolutely love to see the Dolphins come home with. Um, Steven, you know, as far as scenario one, I don't think we're getting all four of those guys. It's like a dream scenario. I think you'd have to take... Phillips and flip him with Najee. So you'd have to go chase at three, Phillips at 18, hope Najee gets to you at 36, and then hope Browning gets to you at 50. Whereas Pitts, Bateman, like I could see this being a thing. I can really see Pitts at three. Bateman's going to start to be in the conversation for like Washington, maybe at 19. I think they'll go offensive tackle. And you've got Indianapolis in that round. Range. You got the Jets in that range in the early 20s. You've got Chicago in that range who needs another wide receiver. So, like, Bateman, that's kind of the strike zone. I feel like he could go. Javante Williams, I think, is realistically there at 36. Not a guarantee to be there. I'm going to go two because I, that, that's the one I can, I can see materializing more easily in my head. Morgan, is Amon Ross St. Brown a fit for what you expect the offense to look like. I keep finding myself taking him in the late second, early third with a pick acquired in a trade back, also taking Waddle in those scenarios with the first pick. Uh, yeah. I'm on Ross St. Brown if you're not initiated or familiar with him. He plays at USC. He played at USC. And he gives me some pretty significant, like, Juju Smith-Schuster-esque vibes coming out of UC, USC. And I know that's somewhat of, like, a lazy helmet scouting comparison to make. But he's really good with body control. He's really good with contested catches. He's really good in the red zone. He's got good football instincts. He's physical in all components of the game. He's not a true blazer. I think he'll run in the high 4-4s. Juju Smith-Schuster ran 4-5-4 in the combine coming out. So I think he is a little bit more dynamic, but like, yeah, that, that's absolutely the kind of player that you can play him inside, you can play him outside. He's going to beat the tar out of linebackers and safeties and, and run blocking. He's an absolute dog with the style and mentality he plays the game. 
I think Amon Ross St. Brown is a great fit for the Dolphins and their kind of brand of players, and they want mentally tough players. Uh, Alex Wasserman. Did I miss something? Caleb Farley is ranked at 27 on the TDM predictive board. Would he just be too good for us at 18 if he's there? Seems like too good of a player to pass up on even with the talent we have at the position. So here's the issue with Caleb Farley. Predictively speaking, I mean, for the TDN personal rankings, the the scouting staff rankings, he's still a top five, top ten player. Uh, Definitely top ten player. But Caleb Farley this week is having a, a back procedure, and it's reported to be a minor procedure. But what's notable is this is the second back procedure in as many years for Caleb Farley and comes after he sat out in 2020. So for that, this close to the draft is a little bit of a flag that you know we're predicting some teams may hold against him and that's why predictively he is he dropped yesterday you're listening on Tuesday he dropped on Monday because the news came out on Monday so good eye to notice it Alex Um, but that's something that you know if we get more information if the medicals come back clean if teams you know we get close to the the draft and we hear teams are more comfortable with him he can move back up in the predictive board last one from JC Jack Cummins if you could re-sign one of these three before the season to a long-term extension, who would you pick? Mike Gusecki, Jerome Baker, or Emmanuel Agba? The economics tell you to sign Agba. He's the most expensive in premium position. I think he'll have another successful year. But then you got to vet, okay, are we bringing back Kyle? Are we drafting Kyle Pitts? No, Mike is going to want... 10-plus a year. He's going to want top of the tight end market. You know, maybe not George Kittle money, and he got like 15, but he's going to want to get paid handsomely. And if he has another year like he had last year, he's going to deserve it. Um, I would probably bet on Mike. And the reason being is I do think he will be successful, and if you set the market, and you get out in front of that, and he ha- ends up having another good season, and you wait to pay him, and he has another good season like what he had last year, you're inevitably going to pay more than if you tried to pay him now. And the tight end market is a market that is growing. You look at the pay of top tight ends. George Kittle broke the glass ceiling. He got like 150% of what the previous best money was. So I want to start to play that game a little bit. And be aware of like what happened with the Cowboys and Dak Prescott, and that's a much more extreme example where they hit him with a franchise tag and they drug it out, and they ended up paying him a ton of guaranteed money, and then they ended up paying him forty. And then like if they had signed him eighteen months ago, they could have signed him to a deal that was like thirty three and a half million dollars. But they got cute with it and drug it out, and ended up now they're paying seven million dollars a year more than what they would have otherwise had to pay. I don't want that to be the case. And it wouldn't be $7 million, but it might be $2 million more for Mike if you wait and pay him after he has another big year. For a position group that so much the league is skewed towards as far as mismatches, and for a position group that has just seen the glass ceiling broken by George Kittle, so spending is going to accelerate, I'm taking Mike a second. And I'm also taking my leave here 
Uh, it is an early morning recording of the show on Tuesday morning. If we get any crazy news, keep an eye on the Twitter timeline. But otherwise, we will be back tomorrow. we got three more shows this week. Looking forward to it. Kyle Krabs signing off. Thanks, as always, for listening to Locked on Dolphins. I hope you keep it locked in here all off-season long. I'll talk with you guys again tomorrow.